Discover why critics are calling Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes the best film of the franchise. What a wonderful day! It's a jaw-dropping spectacle that demands to be seen on the biggest screen possible. I need to go. Hang on. It is our time. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Now playing only in theaters. Tickets on sale now. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. Girl here. I'm Mignon Fogarty, and you can think of me as your friendly guide to the English language. We talk about writing, history, rules, and cool stuff. Today, we'll talk about some weird nouns that are always plural, and then we'll go two dimensional and talk about flat adverbs. If you're deep in the world of fashion influencers on Instagram or have ever caught an episode of a fashion reality show, then you might have heard phrases like, my go-to evening look is a smoky eye and red lip, or this outfit could be completed with a tailored pant. If you've never done those things, bear with me anyway. You get the idea. Sometimes there's an assumption of an implied plural when singular versions of words are used. You'd have to be pretty avant-garde to put lipstick on one lip or eye makeup on only one eye. While you'd be more likely to refer to eyes, lips, and trousers outside of fashion terminology, we're all familiar with what one eye looks like. But what is a singular pant? Or for British listeners, trouser. They don't exist. Pants, when referring to the clothing you'd pop on your legs, is an example of a plurale tantum. That's Latin for plural only. In other words, a noun that's used only in the plural form. If you're a native English speaker, you might not have even noticed you're using them, but here are a whole load of examples that you've almost certainly said and how they ended up as pluralia tantum. First, scissors. The first known uses of the word scissors are actually singular, spelled in a variety of ways, usually starting with C-Y. That was in the 15th century, and the plural version quickly overtook the former in popularity. While you'd still hear scissor as a verb or to form a compound noun like scissor kick, you're unlikely to come across a single scissor. The same is true of many other two-bladed tools like pliers, forceps, shears, tweezers, and tongs. Next, when we're talking about eyewear, the word glasses is like spectacles, goggles, or binoculars. Today, you'll only hear them used as plurals. Even those who favor talking about a red lip don't seem to have adopted a tortoise shell glass as of yet. Things get a bit more complex if you pop a pair of in front of the words. The A suggests you should treat a pair of glasses as singular, but research shows that you're equally likely to come across a pair of glasses are as a pair of glasses is. Moving on to bottoms, lots of the names for two-legged garments are pluralia tantum. We have overalls, leggings, shorts, pants, tights, and trousers. But let's look at jeans. This word is an abbreviation of the French Jean Fustian for the Italian city Genoa, Fustian being a twilled cotton cloth. And while jeans are usually made of denim today, the name stuck. And no, there has never been a single gene when it comes to clothes. Sticking with the world of attire, we speak of clothes, but never of a single clothe. 
Clothe exists as a verb, and cloth is a common singular noun, but isn't used to mean a garment. Not anymore, at least. In the late 14th century, cloth was indeed used to mean a single garment. You'll find that in Piers Plowman and the works of Chaucer. Nowadays, you'd have to use an article of clothing to get the same meaning. So far, all these pluralia tantum end in s, but that needn't be the case. Marginalia, meaning notes written in the margins of a text, is another example. In this instance, the fact that it's only used in the plural isn't a case of linguistic evolution. Rather, it's a case of selective borrowing. Marginalia is taken directly from Latin, which also has the singular marginalis, but for whatever reason, English never took marginalis. Other Latin borrowings that are pluralia tantum include juvenalia, meaning works produced by an author or artist while still young, and literati, meaning well-educated people who are interested in literature. A plurale tantum doesn't have to be a tangible object, either. Another example is the word shenanigans. It means secret or dishonest activity or maneuvering, or silly or high-spirited behavior, but its etymological origins aren't clear. What is known is that its earliest known use in a mid-19th century article is in the singular shenanigan. The singular was in use for another hundred years, but in recent decades, you'll only find the plural, shenanigans. Next, what are the odds? Whether you're talking about gambling, chance, or an argument where you're at odds with someone else, you won't get a single odd. And as you might expect, this plurale tantum comes from the adjective odd, originally with the idea of unequal things. This broadened into various ideas of difference, particularly in likelihood and probability. If you're into marine biology, you might know that the singular loggerhead does exist. It's a variety of turtle, but you're more likely to find it used in the phrase at loggerheads, meaning in violent dispute or disagreement. Even the mildest argument can't be termed at loggerhead, though. There's no singular version. It has been suggested that this use of loggerheads relates to a late 17th century sense of loggerhead, meaning long-handled iron instrument for heating liquids in tar when wielded as a weapon. Ouch. After being at loggerheads, you can and often should make amends, but you can't make an amend. While amend exists as a verb, the noun is borrowed from the Old French, amende, meaning a penalty or fine. In Old French, there was also a singular, also pronounced amende, as far as I can tell, but my French is terrible, but it's spelled without the S, amende, but that didn't find its way into English. Next, if smithereens means small pieces, would one small piece be called a smithereen? Well, you guessed it. No, the word probably comes from the Irish smidereen, but only the plural exists in English. It's almost always used in the context of destruction, such as the vase was smashed into smithereens. Some people use smithers instead of smithereens, but again, there's no such thing as a single smither. Next, consider this phrase, there's not so queer as folk. 
It's an expression of surprise or disapproval at the odd things people do, and it's originally from the north of England, though it's now used more widely. Folk is a little unusual as a plurale tantum because you can use either folk or folks, such as an old folks home, but either is plural. There's no such thing as a single folk. Finally, thanks for listening to this segment, and yes, thanks is the final plurale tantum. You'd find thank in the words thank you, of course, but you wouldn't give someone a single thank, unless that is you were in ancient Britain and used the Old English thank ending in C from which the modern word derived. That segment was by Simon Thomas, who's been blogging about books since 2007, with a focus on novels by women from between the world wars. He's also the co-host of the podcast Tea or Books, where they debate the difficult decisions of books in reading. You can find him at stuckinabook.com. Last week, I mentioned the concept of flat adverbs when we were talking about the word funnest, so today we'll dig in a little more. Are we allowed to drive slow instead of slowly? May we jump high or sit up straight? What about the websites and cookbooks with the title Eat Fresh? Yes, today is adverb day with a sprinkling of adjectives. First, an adjective modifies a noun or a pronoun. For example, in the sentence, that's a real diamond, real is an adjective that modifies the noun diamond. Other examples of adjectives are devious and fair. Squiggly eyed the chocolate with a devious smile. Aardvark reminded Squiggly of his promise to eat only his fair share. An adverb, on the other hand, modifies a verb, an adjective, or another adverb. Adverbs often have an L-Y at the end, as in happily and heartily. Squiggly happily posed for the cameras. Aardvark heartily hoped he would get a turn in the limelight. Such adverbs are usually formed by adding L-Y to the end of an adjective, just as we did with the adjectives happy and hearty. Other adverbs, however, such as very, don't fit this pattern. You might complain, for example, squiggly eats very noisily. In that sentence, the adverb very modifies another adverb, noisily. To confuse matters, adjectives can also end in ly. For example, in the sentence, the lonely snail stared up at the moon, the adjective lonely modifies the noun snail. Poor squiggly. So you can't tell if words are adverbs or adjectives just by looking to see if they end in L-Y. These two letters at the end of a word can be a clue, but you can't rely on spelling. You must have heard the joke, are you working hard or hardly working? Well, both versions, hard and hardly, are adverbs. Hardly is one of those regular L-Y adverbs. And hard is what's called a flat adverb, which according to Merriam-Webster's Dictionary of Modern Usage is an adverb that has the same form as its related adjective. Examples include the word fast in drive fast and bright in the moon is shining bright. Merriam-Webster notes that grammarians have been arguing about this kind of adverb for at least a couple of centuries and shares the interesting fact that flat adverbs used to be a lot more common than they are now. 
The guide offers charmingly odd-sounding examples, such as, I was horrid angry, a 1667 quotation from Samuel Pepys, and the weather was so violent hot, from Daniel Defoe's Robinson Crusoe, published in 1719. Few modern speakers would utter such statements, and they really shouldn't do so, as you're not allowed to chop off any old L-Y. Modern speakers are, however, allowed to say things such as drive slow and stay close. Much as some sticklers would like these sentences to be as incorrect as violent hot is today, flat adverbs are real, and you can use them, really. Various style guides give many examples of bona fide flat adverbs. Here's a short list. Far, fast, slow, quick, straight, clean, close, deep, and fine. Go ahead and say he kept his cards close or please sit tight. What, you may be thinking? Words like far, close, and tight are adjectives. Well, you're right, but they can also be adverbs. Some adjectives and adverbs have the same form, and that's what a flat adverb is. Some of these adjective-adverb-whatever-they-are thingies never change, so fast always stays fast. You get in the fast lane, and you drive fast if you don't want to get rear-ended. You never say fastly. Long and far also fall into this category. You would definitely raise eyebrows if you tried to use longly or farly. Now, you may also be thinking that you can sometimes stick an L-Y onto these adjectives that are also adverbs. And you'd be right again. You are allowed to add an L-Y to the word close, for example. You get the very normal adverb closely. Pairs of adverbs like this often convey different meanings, though, and you can't always use them interchangeably. For example, the flat adverb close and the regular L-Y adverb closely fall into this category. You could say stand close, but stand closely would sound odd. You'd use closely in a sentence such as look closely at this photograph. Other times, both forms mean the same thing, and you can use either one. Common pairs in this category include drive slow versus drive slowly and hold on tight versus hold on tightly. Go ahead and pick whichever one sounds best to you for your particular sentence. And if you're unsure about the form of an adverb, check a dictionary. Let's now look back at the questions we posed at the beginning. Are drive slow, jump high, sit up straight, and eat fresh okay to use? Well, the first three are a definite yes. You could also say drive slowly, but you'd never say jump highly or sit up straightly. Those are just weird. As for the eat fresh titles, let's just call it an example of a creative adverb that's meant to bring attention to itself. Advertisers and marketers sometimes push the boundaries of correctness just to get noticed. Although fresh doesn't appear to be an official flat adverb, it can be an adverb, as in the phrase fresh out. You might say we are fresh out of mayonnaise. You just don't normally pair fresh with the verb to eat. Freshly, on the other hand, is an established adverb that you'd use in a sentence such as, I ate the freshly baked cookies, but you couldn't say, eat freshly. The most generous way to interpret eat fresh is to say that there's an implied noun at the end and that the adjective fresh modifies that noun. So it could mean eat fresh sandwiches, but that feels like a stretch. Unless you're writing marketing or advertising copy, I don't recommend that you write this creative. I mean, this creatively. 
To sum up, flat adverbs are a real type of adverb. Just make sure that you're using a bona fide flat adverb and that you aren't leaving out a necessary ly. If you'd rather not irritate the sensitive types, you can always rephrase your sentence or use the ly form if it's allowed in your particular sentence. And before we say that's all, let's acknowledge that you did work hard as you listened today. You were not hardly working. That segment was written by Bonnie Mills, who's been a copy editor since 1996. And I have to add that the idea of implied sandwiches makes me think of something funny that Tiffany C. Lee, a law professor, wrote on Twitter recently. She said, I close my emails with best. Best what? You assume regards, but it's waffles. I'm wishing you best waffles at the end of every email. So I often also close my emails with best, and now every time I do it, I think of waffles. Implied waffles. I, too, am wishing everyone best waffles. <laughs> Finally, I have a familect story from John. Mignon, this is John Firestone calling from New Orleans. Uh, I have a familect story. First, thank you. I adore the podcast. Uh, but as to this family story. As a child, my father would often fall asleep about 8 o'clock, uh, slumped in a uh, barrel-backed chair with his head tilted back. My youngest sister, finding him in this position, would often quite carefully groom his hair for minutes and minutes at a time. And when she thought she had completed the job, she would step back, clasp the comb in both hands, and declare, Oh, Dad, you're so otip. We're never quite sure where this word came from, but our family has continued to use it to mean everything's just right and you're looking uh, uh, dressed to the nines. Uh, I later came to find out that my wife's family used a French word, uh, soigné, to mean the same thing. Uh, so you get two for the price of one here. Thank you. Thanks, John. If you want to call with the story of your familect, a word your family and only your family uses, you can leave a voicemail at 833214-GIRL. Call from a nice, quiet place, and I might play it on the show. Thanks to my audio engineer, Nathan Sams, and my editor, Adam Cecil, who is a massive fan of the UK sports drink, Lucasade and believes they should bring their brand to the US. And he says he can help. <laughs> Our ad operations specialist is Morgan Christensen, and our marketing and publicity assistant is Davina Tomlin. Finally, our intern is Brendan Pika. I'm Mignon Fogarty. That's all. Thanks for listening. Hey, it's Mignon. If you want to do more to hone your communication skills, then check out Think Fast, Talk Smart produced by the Stanford Graduate School of Business and hosted by my friend and Stanford lecturer, Matt Abrahams. You may remember Matt from his interview on the show back in September when he shared his top tips for becoming a better writer and speaker. Think Fast, Talk Smart is his Webby award-winning podcast, which has been downloaded 41 million times and has been the number one career podcast in more than 95 countries, so you know it's worth your time. Whether you're making a wedding toast or presenting at work, strong speaking skills are critical to success in business and in life, which is why Matt sits down with experts every week to talk about the best tips to unlock your communication potential. 
Hear from pros like neuroscientist Andrew Huberman on how to manage speaking anxiety, speechwriter and best-selling author Dan Pink on how to take risks in your communication, and psychologist Kelly McGonigal on how to harness nervous energy to fuel powerful presentations. So what are you waiting for? Listen to Think Fast, Talk Smart every Tuesday, wherever you get your podcasts or on YouTube. And tell Matt I said hi.